Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Offsite Podcast, where we chat all things construction and technology. My name's Carlos Caballo. And I am Jason Lancini. Carlos, I need to immediately pull you up on something, uh, my friend. Earlier in the week or last week, you posted something on LinkedIn, which was a, a let's say, a stereotypical starter kit for a, an engineer. And um, yeah. it's had me reevaluating my wardrobe. It cut a little bit too close to home. Luckily for me, I can't grow a beard very well, so I don't quite fit in, in the mold. Um, but yeah, it cut a little bit too close to home. But you grow one of those little kind of goatee stubbles, don't you, if you grow oh, a beard? I have a great beard for a 12-year-old, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think, uh, yeah, that, that post, it came out of the woodwork with basically everyone tagging their mate and was like, this is literally you. So, um, yeah, I think... Uh, it summarizes the engineer pretty well. Um, I, there was a there was a, a comment on there which uh, stuck with me, which was like I can't remember what what exactly it said, but it was like the uh, male pale and stale brigade, which <laughs> yeah. also cut very close to home because I was like, "Am I that pale?" Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to get Ollie to sort that out for you. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Nice. Right. So today we're going to be chatting about uh, the relationship between engineers and QSs. Uh, I'm sure that will be fairly heated based on our backgrounds. Um, but first up, Jason, uh, I asked you to pull together a topic. What have you got in mind? Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, so um, Carlos asked me to do some work to think of a topic uh, that we should be covering. Uh, and the first thing that came to mind is... Um, is every year in the UK, there's this thing called the contractor league table. It used to be something that people looked at a lot. I don't know if, if, uh, if, if most of the, anyone listening to this would, would be looking at it, but basically it ranks the, the contractors by like volume of work performed in, in the year. And it normally comes out about now. I think last year it came out, like we're recording this on the 3rd uh, of August. So it comes out like two days or, or something from now a year ago. So it's probably imminently due out. And so for my topic, I thought I'd get Carlos to do a whole bunch of work, um, which is to put himself out there and essentially make a prediction of uh, who the top five uh, contractors would be uh, in the league tables uh, when they're released, you know, in the, in the near future. So for context, the top five contractors in last year's uh, league table in the UK, so 2022, the top five were Balfour Beatty uh, with 8.26 billion turnover, Kia Group, which 3.3, so, so less than half of, of Balfour's 3.32. Then Morgan Sindel with, with about the same 3.2. Then Amy at 2.4 billion. And then number five was ISG at about 2.26. So um, I guess the question to you carlos is this if you had to put uh money on it um we'll talk about the money bit after but if you had to put money on it what would you uh be saying as likely the top five for this year so i brought up the league table here just because i wanted to see some of those stats to help me uh think about the answer but right if i had to put money on it uh Obviously, first up, Balfour Beatty, they're not going anywhere. 
Um, they're not even leaving the top spot. They're doing what eight point two billion. Uh, they're still winning loads of work. Um, so that's that's nailed on. They they've got like um, one of the largest projects in the UK being that section of high speed two, don't they? And that yeah, you know, I think it to, is the largest. Hire. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. Th I think that's um, a safe bet. Like that's better than most of your like crypto investments and stuff that you were making. Uh, that's a good bet for number one, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, definitely do better than that. Um, so yeah, uh, hundred percent Bath BT staying on the top. I'd bet pretty much everything I earned on that happening. Next up, Kia. I can't see them drifting out. Um, they got into a pretty bad spot. What was it, two, three years ago? They were like seriously losing cash. They had a big reshuffle in terms of management. They've pulled it back into the black. They've won a lot of work. Obviously, I work with them pretty closely, so I know the volume of new projects sort of popping up, um, mm -hmm. not small stuff. Um, so I'd, I'd absolutely back them to stay um, in the second spot. Um, so do you think another... they do you think they close in on Balfabidi or or the gap remains? If you just track news, I'd say in the last six months, without actually looking back and counting up, you see more Kia news than Balfabiti on winning projects. Mm -hmm. The thing that swings Balfabiti is they do like loads of like maintenance contracts and like yep. stuff for like network rail, which isn't like the glamorous stuff that you would see in the news but it's yep. obviously hugely revenue generating. So I think um, if you just look at like actual sort of contractor jobs, I reckon Kia is pretty close to Balfour, but Balfour had that other side of the business that's just like the revenue's huge. Yeah, and and you know, looking at last year's league table, that that side might be where a lot of the profit is as well because like they, they're ranked like number three by profit as well. Um, yeah. Whereas like a number of the other ones by turnover have like, really 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 tight or negative margins yeah. yeah like a good job is three percent which is disgusting considering how risky like main contractor contracts yeah. are yeah don't get me um, like don't get me started on that like i wrote a whole, i wrote <laughs> yeah. my whole like master's thesis about like how tough it is to be a contractor uh, yeah agreed right yeah so yeah balfour btk here uh morgan sindel morgan they're winning a lot of jobs they've got like yeah, they've got a serious amount of infrastructure jobs alone. They're quite they're growing in the building sector, it seems too, but they're quite heavily involved in things like uh, prisons um, and a lot of their sort of larger frameworks. Last year, it looks like they were on the grow, so you could see on the table, yeah, quite a significant turnaround from the previous year in terms of profit and uh, change. So. I've got no information to mind that would sort of signal a downturn or a reverse in direction from the up on last year. So I'd probably stick them in third spot still um, based on that. Yeah, it's interesting that, uh, you know, they're at that spot uh, in number three last year and you're picking them to be the same cast because if I think, you know, the UK market better than me, you talk to teams there literally all the time and I don't, but... I can't think of them on any of the like major, like do the, are they on any of the major sections of high speed two, uh, Carlos? Uh, no, they're not on high speed two, but they're on like, um, Thames Tideway. They're on, um, smart motorways. They're on things like Sellafield. So they do have the big, yeah, pretty okay. large contracts, but they're definitely, uh, uh, a lots of slightly smaller contracts compared to like, uh, 
if you look at the infrastructure sector of say Kostain and Skanska who only do large contracts, small volume. Yeah, so, gotcha. um, yeah, I'd, I'd pin those as a top three, uh, pretty easy top three. It's like predicting the premier league top three. Uh, I won't talk to an Australian about football in any more depth, but yeah, that was yeah, easy. As far as I'm concerned, that's really hard because I have to make up the three teams. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 If you like the London Broncos, the, the or dinosaurs versus the sharks. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get a very American there. So, um, but then I'd say it does get quite interesting. So ISG, they were on the way up, but there was some quite negative news in the last year about some issues within that organization. And I didn't see lots and lots of news around them winning new work. They're probably still doing similar revenue, but... Keller are close behind and they've cracked some serious contracts on Neon for Groundworks. So I reckon one prediction could be Keller jumping ISG and ISG potentially dropping out of the top five. So it's going to make, this is going to make my version of these predictions sound super boring because I, I predicted this, <laughs> the same thing. Okay. Yeah. 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 I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I think I'm going to put Keller in fourth. Amy, it's really hard to gauge Amy because they do loads of stuff as like joint venture partners. They do like proper rail. They do lots of consultancy stuff. So it's hard to get a gauge on that. But Mace have been winning a lot of work. Mace are fairly global. They've just won their biggest like UK building job in a, in a number of years, I believe. Um, so I reckon Mace on the up, whether they can pull back, how much do they need? Like half a billion pounds to get into the top five. I reckon they're the, they're probably the most likely contender to crack it. So I'm going to stick Mace in at fifth above Amy and ISG as my wild card. Okay. So, so, so Balfour Beatty, Kia Morgan, Sindor, Keller, and then Mace. Yeah, that's what uh, I'd, I'd put a lot of money on the first three. I'd put a little bit of money if you give me your decent odds on the top five. Uh, but yeah, that would be my that would be my five. The other one, <laughs> yeah, who I was thinking about against Mace was Langer Rourke. They're pretty close to. Um, they are like we know they're a super innovative company. They do manage their projects well. Um, they. They're winning decent sized jobs. They're on a load of major schemes. So if there was one that I'd put in the same sort of potential wild card as Mace, it would be Lang, but they're already a couple of hundred million behind Mace. So I think it'd be a serious leapfrog to get into top five, albeit I reckon they're on the upward trend. So I had a, a similar list in my head, although now I'm questioning because I had done Balfabidi, Kia, Morgan, Sindel, uh, Keller, and then I put Langer Raw. Uh, okay. And like Langerock, super innovative. They've got a lot of business outside of the UK as well. They've got a lot of projects down here in Australia, um, big value projects. But the thing that I'm now questioning is whether like uh, Keller, I don't know that they've delivered that work this year. Like they've won the contract, but it's probably next year's work. They definitely started it this year. There may be like six months worth of work or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that that would be like contributing. So I, I don't know if we'll end up eating our words with with uh, with Keller, but 
Yeah, so we've got a very similar list, which is kind of a boring topic, but, you know, maybe we're both right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually, I didn't even think about the volume of projects that Lang have won in Australia. No, you can't um, change your bet now. That's, uh, you've, <laughs> you, already bought, you already bought Dogecoin or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's go back a few years. Thank you, Elon Musk. Right. Um, yeah, no, that was really interesting. I like that. Um, I think, so you say the report's out in a few days, so next week well, you can actually I'm, call me out on any predictions. Well, there's total speculation just, just <laughs> by the fact that it was out on the similar time a year ago. Uh, I think yeah. they do, yeah, that's they did the cutoff at Company's House 29th of July, 2022, which means 29th of July, 2023-ish, somewhere around there, uh, which means yep. someone's probably compiling the list as we speak, um, is my guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So next up, I want to have a chat with you about the relationship between engineers, specifically the package lead. So like a section engineer and agent typically, and the QS. In yeah. my experience, the best most, or the most successful packages I've worked on is where you have a tight relationship with your engineer. And I've got a lot of experience of some engineers who aren't so keen on that being such a tight relationship. So to kick off, I'm keen to have your view on this, um, particularly as you're from, obviously from Australia, Australia don't really have QSs in the same form or capacity as here. So you are probably more used to working without one and therefore are more aware of the commercial side of things. Yeah. En engineers in Australia can do, can do math on their own. <laughs> Yeah. No, I, um, I, yeah, but you have worked in the UK. So yeah, what's, what's your experience of that um, and your view on the relationship? Yeah, without like uh, doing the cliched like thing of, um, of just slamming that we don't need QSs. Obviously in Australia, we don't really have them on most, on most projects. There are some schemes more recently or projects more recently that do, that, that are using um, QSs. But I guess fundamentally, and this would probably be a view that has been reflected from a lot of people that I know that have worked in both places um, and, and specifically the ones that, that came from Australia is like, as you progress through the roles of like a site engineer to a project engineer or an agent or a sub-agent or whatever the different, whether you're in Australia or, or the UK, like ultimately your job is to deliver a project, but also your, you, your job is to deliver a project for a profit. And so... If you're not owning the the profit and what the numbers are at your head contract or at your subcontracts, I don't know really how you can deliver the job. I kind of think of it. I don't know if you watch like um, I don't know if you watch like Dragons Den or Shark Tank Colors. Yeah, but like occasionally you'll get you'll get someone come in and pitch some business. They'll be like, uh, they'll do this pitch, and then as soon as they get any questions, they're like, well, I'm not the numbers guy. Yeah, it's like how can, yeah, you, yeah. how can you run a business and not be the numbers guy? Like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. it's kind of like I'm the engineer, but like, if you want to know about whether we're making money, talk to my QS. It's like I don't. It's kind of like that is your job. Uh, so, so I just don't know. I don't know any other way to operate, other than doing that job uh, as the engineer. I'd, I, I would be interested, you know, you know, you mentioned that some of the more successful packages that you've worked on had that good relationship. So it's probably more instructive 
to start from your perspective and go, how does it actually work when it, when it works well? For anyone listening in the UK, Jason just did a very famous line that Roy Keane says about every football player and the fact that it's your job. But uh, I won't reference that now because that won't make sense to you. Um, I, I so, definitely wasn't Roy who? I wasn't quoting Roy, Roy <laughs> Bean. Okay, Roy yeah, Keane. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I 100% agree that engineers need to be aware and conscious and care about commercial. So I definitely don't see this thing as being like the QS is does all of that and the engineer just crack on with their job. But it's like, it's both ways too. So the QS also needs to have a good understanding, needs to like shadow, sit on the meetings, understand the gossip. Because, so if we think about NEC, there's no way engineers can do that themselves unless they have 20 hours a day to do work. Cause it's like admin heavy. There's so many sort of contractual requirements that you have to go through and an engineer's time is not best place doing that. So I would say you would want a quick QS to do that anyway, just to administer the contract. But then I'd also argue that I've never come across an engineer who has an understanding of cost to the end of the project and think about the factors that could be at play and actually have a good understanding of that. And I don't know if that's because I've only worked in the UK and because it's not their job, they don't think about it. And I have no, I'm not implying that they don't know how to do that or could work it out because like a civil engineer is a pretty clever person. <laughs> and I'm not saying like QSs are like super special, but the time if you're, aspect. If, you're, if, you, if you were, if you're a, sorry to, sorry to like, uh, cut you off and, and jump in, but like, if you're a project engineer, uh, on a, on an infrastructure project in Australia, you have a job every month, which is to do forecasting, uh, which forecasts your cost to completion of the job. And uh, labor you plant walk, materials. Everything. Yep. So if you walk into that meeting and you don't know those numbers, you're getting like torn to shreds. Um, it's just a ritual that happens every month on projects, uh, so you 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 definitely have to know cost of completion and and where you're so tracking the project manager, over and under. By cost project tracking. manager goes full Peter Jones like dragons down and tears you apart for not knowing. Um, question then. So you were all over the numbers in Australia, and is that why did you, you lose money in the UK? You... No, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can ask that to anyone across now. Um, you did that over there, so it was your job. But did you actually have a genuine care and interest for it? And I guess the real gauge of that is, did you still do that in the UK, even though it wasn't your job? Uh, I had a slightly different job in the UK, so it was probably not like a fair comparison. Um, right. And the, the job that I went on to had, had uh, more QSs than I'd ever seen in my life on a single project. So it probably wasn't like a fair, like there was enough people doing it already. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah. I thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoyed it, uh, in yeah. the role in, in Oz, uh, it made, it made the process of, it gave you a bigger understanding of what, or how construction happens. And it made it into, I guess, more of a, there's just another layer to the game, if you know what I mean. So it's like yeah, you, okay. um, it's like you start learning like, uh, deeper moves in chess or something, you know? There's like the technical yeah. aspect. There's like the managing people and getting the information they need. But then there's also like the, how do we make money piece? Uh, how do we manage contracts? Yeah. So managing contract side. So the money piece, like you can see why anyone is interested in that because it is interesting. Like it contextualizes everything that you're doing. And ultimately everyone wants to make money or a margin. 
If you look at the administering the contract side, do you think engineers should be firing out early warnings, writing site instructions, um, assessing payment applications? Yeah, this is like, obviously you said something before, which is like under NEC, uh, you would want yeah, to heavy. like, yeah, yeah. It, I think there's a whole topic for another discussion in the future, which is like, is that good? Because yeah, definitely the amount of paperwork generated under NEC is, is like a, you can't also run the project as an engineer if you're trying to do that and keep up with yep. it. Um, but then that asks the question, like, is that just like an enormously inefficient process then? Like if I pull the numbers on how, and like, that's just on the administering of it, but the argument for it, again, this is probably for another podcast. The argument for it is that, okay, well, NEC is a more like, uh, I guess, collaborative or early warning. So you sort out issues so that projects don't end in dispute. But yep. if you pull the numbers from a Pinsett Mason study in 2021, 15% of the projects in Australia, infrastructure projects in Australia end in dispute, while 20% in the UK end in dispute. So like it's costing more to administer is my theory under NEC and more of the projects end in dispute. So what is the return on investment? Anyway, that's definitely a topic we're going to cover on another, uh, another time. Uh, I love how you had to, um, in preparation for this debate, actually have to go to Pins and Basins to pull some stats out to try and uh, win the argument. But uh, yeah, no, it's definitely NEC's super admin heavy. There's loads of arguments to say it's wildly inefficient. Yes, you might re reduce the chance of disputes later, but the volume of staff you need is insane. I think at one, I had one project that was 45 QSs on a 400 million pound job, which is like, that can't make sense to anyone. But anyway, um, that is all we have time for today. So as always, thank you very much for listening.